Hey everyone, welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast, a resource designed to form substantive disciples for the local church. My name is Ashlyn and I am the communications coordinator at High Point Church. And we recently had a session of Engage and Equip live on August 12th, which is an in-person once a month session where we all come together and get equipped in ministry skills. This time, Nick Gibson, our lead pastor, talked about electronics and your ministry, and we've recorded that for you to listen to again today. So whether you missed the session or you want to hear it again, we hope that this helps you navigate those difficult waters. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Thanks for coming to Engage and Equip. It's great to be with you. Hopefully there will be some engaging and equipping here in a moment. Uh, Two Engage and Equips ago, we did a survey with a bunch of possible topics, and um, this topic was the one people actually said they were interested in the most, which kind of surprised me because I thought that people had heard me opine about this sufficiently. But um, we're going to spend a little time today, if I can get this moving. Where am I pointing this? Over there? There we go. Okay. Um, on uh, a topic that affects every single person in this culture. Uh, this is a verse actually that Jill found and um, I thought was perfect for this. In Proverbs seventeen twenty four, it says, a discerning man keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. That is one of the differences between wisdom and folly in the scriptures is that a wise person is disciplined in what they pay attention to. And a foolish person isn't. Their attention, it goes everywhere. Do we know where I'm going with this? G.K. Chesterton, who's not a a biblical author, um, but one of the great writers of the 20th century, wrote these two things. Now, notice the dates of them. Long before the internet. And yet, um, these quotes are relatively timeless, right? So one, it says, none of the modern machines, none of the modern paraphernalia have any power except over the people who choose to use them. And in 1933, he said, comforts that were rare among our forefathers are now multiplied in factories and handed out wholesale. And indeed, nobody nowadays, so long as he is content to go without air, space, quiet, decency, and good manners, need be without anything, whatever he wants, or at least a reasonably cheap imitation of it. So where we're going with this is, sorry, um, the question of electronics in your ministry. By your ministry in this context, I mean Jesus coming out of you for the good of other people in every context, your personal life, your family life, your parenting, your friendships, and your service or volunteering, anything that you do in that way. The way we interact with electronics and electronic things and what they do incredibly transmits itself into our character, our personality, our capacity for attention, our intelligence, and lots of other things, and affects very deeply. In fact, besides maybe like your upbringing in your family life, um, very little other than your biology determines who and what you are and what you do and how you behave more than how you interact with technology in this generation. So a couple things, sorry, I keep keep clicking that way and I really need to be going the other way. All right, Um, where are we here? Okay. I'm going to get this. There we go. Okay. So first, what do I mean by electronics? And I'm just going to read this. I mainly mean electronic mechanisms by which we feed ourselves content, whether audio or visual. This includes televisions, computers, tablets, phones, and all other voices that I think that should be say devices that deliver to us shows 
videos, memes, social media content, podcasts and video games, news, educational info and podcasts like podcasts and audiobooks, etc. So some people might think it's just like just phones, just social media. No. In fact, one of the things I'll look at later is that um, one of the ways a lot of us rat hole a ton of time is in stuff that we consider educational material. But we, it goes by us so fast that we don't really learn, but we, we find that we're like aware of more stuff, which makes us look better in public. But it, it really is almost as bad as flipping through memes in terms of how it forms us and what it's for and whether or not we're using our time well. Okay. So the second thing, sorry, whoops, is I want to make a, dis I want to make a positive disclaimer about electronics because I, I use electronic devices. I mean, like, I, it's not like I don't use this stuff. I have a phone in my pocket or it's on the table. Um, I actually believe that these things can be a good in our lives. I think they're at least neutral. So here's my disclaimer. Electronics, like many other things, are intended to be and could be good in themselves. They may save human work, allow for greater productivity and education. They can bring virtuous human enjoyment. Christians are permitted to enjoy life in many ways consistent with virtue and godliness, and this may include the use of electronics, the use of alcohol, playing games, eating indulgent foods, seeing plays, attending festivals, and so forth. There are very few enjoyments that are inherently evil, like gladiatorial games and prostitution. Okay, so th there's lots of ways in which electronics and technology this way can be used for good or can be used in ways that are are permissible. And so I don't want you to think that my view is that electronics are just bad and we sh what we really should all do is like get rid of electricity and buy more horses. Okay, so um, but I, however, I think the question of wisdom is something like this. What happens when these come in contact with the human condition? So for example, if somebody tells you, if you're like, hey, let's go out for a beer with somebody, and that person says, I shouldn't go out for a beer, and you're like, well, why not? And they say, because I'm an alcoholic. You wouldn't say, but beer's good, <laughs> right? You wouldn't say that. You'd be like, oh, okay, let's go do something else. And the reason you would do that is because you know that though beer may be fine in and of itself, when beer comes in contact with your friend, bad things happen. There's something about beer and your friend that when those two things come together, bad things happen. Does that make sense? Now, here's the problem. The propensity towards alcoholism is something that you find in a certain subset of human beings. The things in human beings that cause us to be drawn dramatically to electronic things and to use them in ways that we shouldn't is in every human being. That's the problem. The problem is, is that when these devices and the content that they bring to us come in contact with us, it, it portends a lot of negative things unless we have the capacity and discipline to keep it in its place. It's one of those things that is really nice and really fun and a lot of good things can be done with it, but it has the propensity to get out of place. It's a little bit like making out when you're dating. You know, like, or like any intimacy when you're dating. You're like, oh, let's hold hands. Well, yeah, the problem is, is that like any intimacy with your dating, it's just, it's prone to get out of hand, man. No matter what you think is okay or whatever, it's just, you know, give yourself 20 minutes and you're going to have a problem. You know what I mean? Because you're just wired for that. And so we are wired to be drawn into video. We're, we're wired to like something easy. There's nothing easier than, than videos, games, especially games that are programmed to loop every like three minutes. So you like feel good or feel like you want to try again, like every two minutes. Our, our brains, our bodies, our souls, our sin, our vanity, all of these things are primed. And 
There's some of the smartest people who have ever existed in the history of the world, who are also the most educated people in the history of the world, who are also good at math, have literally been designing these things to be as infatuating as possible. They're like designed to access your neurology, right? Okay, so when you think about the question, well, what happens when these interact with the human condition? The, the, the answer is a lot. A lot happens when these access the human condition. And it's not just a small subset of us. There's a small subset of people that will naturally get horrifically addicted to electronics. And that's not true for everybody. But these things being out of place in your life and doing a lot more than they should is pretty ubiquitous, which we'll get into in just a second. Okay, sorry, did it again. So one of the ways to think about this scripturally is we have something in front of us that is scripturally permissible. There's nothing impermissible or inherently sinful about the use of electronics in scripture, right? Or anything comparable. But one of the things the Apostle Paul says twice in 1 Corinthians is, yes, in Christ, there's an enormous amount of freedom. The bigoted things people say about religious faith, particularly Christian faith, they're like, well, if you're a Christian, you won't be able to do anything fun. Whatever. You're basically allowed to do everything. Like this, 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 the reason why God says all the don'ts is because everything else is a yes, right? There are some places in the world, like in communist governments, right? And we're getting there here, but like there are certain societies in the history of the world where you had, you presumed everything was illegal unless you knew it was legal, right? Like in the Soviet Union, everything was illegal. Only like if you like knew you were allowed to do it, could you do it? And so there's the smallest of things you could do, everything else you couldn't do, right? Historically, within free societies, everything was presumed legal. And then a few things were legally illegal, right? And in Christianity, yeah, there's a bunch of don'ts because you can do everything else, right? So, but the Apostle Paul says, yeah, okay, so the question of freedom isn't going to solve this, but the question is, what are you trying to be? Like, if you're in Christ, what's the goal? The goal isn't to, like, use your freedom to destroy yourself. The goal is to become like Jesus the Christ. And so the question you need to ask yourself is, yes, the thing is permissible, but is the thing beneficial? Does it help me? Does it form me well? And what's its effect on me as then I affect others? Right? I'm going to skip that one for now. Ooh, just gets going. Okay, so I want to say about, about four things negatively, and then I want to say some positive things in which we can get this into its proper place so that electronics can be a great blessing. Right? Because they could be a great blessing. So the first is, is that modern electronics negatively change our relationship to time. Modern electronics change negatively our relationship to time. So there's two main reasons. One is you can rat hole, just use and essentially waste an unbelievable number of hours with electronics. Okay. And then secondly, what it also does is people tend to stay up late doing it because there's no limiting principle. Like when do you stop playing this game? When do you stop watching these YouTube videos? They pre they load automatically for you, right? And so it's very easy if you're watching through a Netflix program to be like, well, I'll just watch one more. I'll just take my tablet up to bed, right? I'll go to bed at a decent hour. I'll just watch on my tablet. And before you know it, it's like 3 a.m. Now, the problem with that is, is that that lack of self-control is now backfeeding into the next day right? And what it's doing is it's ruining you for the next day. It's ruining your intelligence for the next day. It's ruining your concentration for the next day. It's ruining your patience for the next day. It's ruining basically everything. And it's ruining your self-control for the next day. And guess what you're going to do the next day with your depleted self-control? Well, you're likely to watch the rest of the season of that show until 4 a.m. 
right? And so those two feed off each other. The other thing too is, is that we really stink at estimating how much time we're rat holing with electronics. In my personal, now there's a lot of studies on how much people actually use electronics. So, um, you see, you may have heard that the average American watches like six and a half to eight hours of television a day. That's actually households. That's not people. So for people, it's like 5.75 hours. But the thing is, is that TV is now um, already globally less than half of media usage, right? And in America, they're getting very close. So if an American watches 5.78 hours of television, they're not indulging in media 5.75 hours. That's about half. It's 10 to 11 hours. Nothing about this. Most people are awake 16 hours. If you're a teenager, you're only awake about 12 you know what I'm saying? Like this is a whole, it's the whole time. And so, but if you ask somebody like, how much time do you think you watched YouTube this week? Or if I asked my son, how much time do you think you played Fortnite this week? Right? What I find is that most people estimate how much time they use electronics at between a third and a half of the actual time they're using it. They're really using it three times as much because you lose your sense of time when you do such things and you don't really want to keep track. And if you add those two things together, you don't get a very good count. Does that make sense? And there are certain ways to use electronics that sort of feel productive. You're like, well, I need to watch Game of Thrones. Otherwise, I won't be able to talk to my non-Christian friends at work. Right? Or I'm watching these educational YouTube videos about how dumb Republicans are or something. You know what I mean? All right. Sorry. Um, so we can rat hole hours and then it steals from our rest, which then depletes us so that we rat hole more hours, which then, right? My first pastor, this was before the internet. This is how old I am. But he referred to television as the thief that steals from the next day, right? I think you can say that about all electronics. You can say that about your phone. Your phone is the thief that steals from the next day, right? So is it permissible? Yeah, it's, per it's permissible. Is it beneficial? Rarely. <laughs> Rarely. Okay. The second is modern media tends towards negatively affecting our character. Is there, isn't there like a timer that's supposed to be counting down and telling me when I'm supposed to shut my mouth? All right. Is, yeah. Isn't it good that we're making a video of this? Okay. So second, modern media tends towards negatively affecting your character. So one, um, modern media production tends to focus on the trivial and on the emotional. Right? It just tends to do that because we like that. It gives us a, like an emotional hit and it tends to focus on trivial things because things like gossip and vanity are fun and they draw you in more viscerally. And the people that produce a lot of the content recognize that people are not particularly strongly ethically formed. And if you really want to get their attention, you appeal to their more visceral desires. That is emotionalism and triviality. Does that make sense? We, ref we actually have a word for this. Things that directly appear to our emotionalism and our vanity and our viscerality. It's called clickbait. It's called click. That's what, we, that's what that means. What clickbait is, is that which appeals to your emotionalism, your vanity, and your viscerality and your, and your, um, your, your desire for triviality. Does that make sense? And there's a lot more that's really is clickbait than what we call clickbait. Does that make sense? Second is it makes us more sensory obeying people. You just get used to wanting to do something and then just doing it. You're like, I kind of want to watch that video. Click. Oh, I kind of want to, I'll just play this game one more time or I'll just do this sort of thing. Or you'll be, you'll be just like doing a thing and you're like, you know, I think I want to go watch that, blah, blah, blah. And then you start pulling in other things. Like maybe I'll just put my tablet on the windowsill while I wash the dishes. I mean, I'm sure I do it just as fast, right? 
Um, it steals from social capacities of tomorrow. Now, that may not sound really whatever, but listen, this is the reason why a lot of men in their 20s don't know how to ask out a girl. Like, playing Call of Duty for your whole adolescence does not help you ask out chicks. Okay, just the, the two are not conducive to each other. And like when you spend a lot of time just passively receiving content that doesn't judge you, that you don't have to live up to, that has no expectations, it does two main things. It, it, it feeds in you the desire to re reject any authority in your life, anybody who demands anything of you. Because when you receive passive stuff, it's essentially affirming you, right? And then secondly, you're not actually building the skills socially to do the stuff necessary. Right. And I mean, obviously asking out girls is just one example. There's lots of other things like confronting your friend, having a discussion with somebody you disagree with, which tends to happen after you get married, as well as when you have roommates. There's all kinds of social skills that are usually built when you're being social, which you're not really doing usually when you're doing electronic stuff. Does that make sense? And then fourth is it destroys social presence, special presence. You're not with the people you're with. You're on your phone, right? Like, but last time you were in the grocery line and there were more than two people ahead of you, did you take out your phone? Right? Some of you did, right? So um, it's, you know, like you, you're, you go to the dentist's office. You don't talk to the receptionist. You don't talk to the person there. Take out your phone, right? Almost anywhere you go, if you're held up for a minute from doing something, it's a great time to take out your phone. Does that make sense? Um, whereas some of them, some of the most important times God's used me, like one time in people's lives, it's like, I was in a place, I had 10 minutes, that person was there. I'm like, I'm here. That person's there. They're human. I'll talk to them. And something happened and God used it. And that does not happen if you're looking at your phone. When you look at your phone, you're basically saying, don't talk to me. And then when you add in the normal millennial, like, um, like, romantic devotion to Bluetooth like earpieces so that you, they can't hear anyone, then like that's like another level of like just blocking people out. Does that make sense? And so like, and I'm not saying like it's not cool to wear that stuff, but like, like in my own home, I have to literally tell my kids, take off your headset. I'm not going to yell to get your attention. Like you can wear that when we're not talking, right? Or I'm not around or we're not working together. Does that make sense? Okay. And then it de decreases, um, our non-virtual ambitions. One of the one of the jokes about smoking marijuana, which is going to be an issue we'll have to talk about in the next couple of years, I'm sure, is the people are like, well, you know, it's not that bad for you, and it's good, and like it makes all kinds from the earth, and like it, you know, smoking is worse than marijuana. I'm like, okay, listen, that may all be true, but listen, I'm 42 years old. I've been around people who smoked weed my whole adult life, and it kills your ambitions. Just kills your ambitions. Your ambitions just go away. You just don't really want to do anything, but smoke weed and eat pizza and play video games and do other things that are pretty visceral and non-ambitious. And um, there's, there's, there's that's a limited percentage of people that doesn't happen to. And electronics does the same thing. Oftentimes in conjunction with things like marijuana, right? But it does the same thing. It's just, you just, you're, you're like, if you're eating the lotus to quote the old Greeks. Like you're, 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 you're taking this euphoric and you're not thinking about who you're becoming or who you're not becoming or what ambitions you have for your life or that you're going to die relatively sooner. Like all the things that like ground you to the gravity of reality and would cause you to want to become something all just kind of turn into a little mist because you're like playing the little game and you're killing the other robot. Does that make sense? And there's, you're supposed to have some ambition, right? You're supposed to want to get out there and do stuff. And if you don't, it sets everything back. 
It's especially true for younger people. Like if you're a dude, you like need to get a job that can support a family. Like you got to go out and kick some butt. You got to work some 60 hour weeks. You got to do some stuff that's more than just like whatever you feel like, or you can't move on in life. And this will kill that ambition, right? Okay. Maybe not. Who knows? It's just some thoughts. Okay. Third is modern media undermines wholesome spiritual and emotional life. That is, there are, there are practices that have to be practiced in the Christian life to experience some of the transformation of sanctification, of growth in Christ. And these things tend to crowd that out. Like, if you're on social media all the time, you are focusing yourself on interacting with people similar to you rather than dealing with your neighbor who may be very different from you. I don't have any neighbors that are like me. It's very frustrating. My neighbors are so, I, my closest neighbors are like this Tibetan couple that are both named Tenzing, you know, and then like, and then I have super like Madisonian neighbors, you know what I mean? Like they don't like the fact that I have like cars without wheels in my front yard. I mean, just like the, like the redneck in me doesn't get along with them. And yet, but these are my real neighbors. They're real people. My kid plays with their kid and like they're the people God has put me with. I would much rather like pat myself on the back with people on a website or something that are just like me. Right. But I, I'm not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to love my neighbor, not love myself by looking in the mirror, by interacting with people exactly like me through electronic devices that lead me into a virtual world. Second is it destroys listening and meditation. Like you have to shut up and be quiet and think this is the, this is the opposite of that. Right. And if you've been using a lot of media and electronics, when you try to stop and concentrate, the momentary, like the thoughts just jumping in your mind of like, I should just go do this. And maybe I'll just walk to a little bit. Maybe I'll just play a little music in the background from YouTube while I seek the Lord or my, you know, like you just, just anything but silence. Right. But most people who have moments with God subjectively in their walk and as they try to seek him where they realize something important, it's quiet. And it's been quiet for a while. It just, it, noise is inconducive to transformation. And virtually everything coming through these portals is noise. Okay. For third, um, it fills the mind with the trivial, pleasing, and worldly. Listen, let's not kid ourselves. Most of this content is incredibly ungodly. Don't kid yourself. Okay. Driving cars and hitting hookers on the street because you're you're like increasing your dexterity skills. It's, it's, there's nothing. Most of the shows that we watch are just chalked full of like hookups and adultery and gossip and hatred and greed and and these things are not just in there as warnings to you. As the story is carefully trolled to show you how ugly these things are, they're beautified by the way the art is created. The protagonists are wicked in these ways and ultimately triumph because of their authenticity to their evil selves, right? And we're drawn into that after a while. You start, you start naturally feeling like it's, maybe it's not that bad or maybe it's actually kind of good or maybe the religious people are just kind of like sticks in the mud, right? Like the, the art is itself not ennobling, right? And then fourth, it tends towards addiction. For some people, it just frankly grabs them so hard that it really tends towards addiction. Five, it's unproductive. It's an unproductive means of learning. There's a lot of us who like, okay, so my, like 85% of the media that I consume is educational media. Okay. I'm watching talks. I'm watching, um, people talk about scientific literatures. I'm, I'm like, that's what I consume. Okay. And I, I usually listen to it at about 2.3 speed. 
Okay. Because it's just, I can't deal with people talking at normal rates. It's just, it's crazy. Okay. And so um, it's gratifying in the sense that I can take in a lot of content really fast. And I think to a certain extent, it's relatively positive. It's one of the reasons why I do it. But we also, I also want to be really realistic about its liabilities. If you listen to something and you don't stop and take notes and review the material, you cannot master it. The only thing that that can do for you is promote a certain kind of familiarity. You don't own the content. You don't know it. You can't really use it. You don't, you're not putting it in thoughtfully into a wider realm of knowledge. You're not really growing intellectually. But it can feel like you are because becoming familiar with something, academically speaking, is the most gratifying part of academics. To be like, oh, I know about that. Oh, yeah, I know about that. But it's also the weakest form of academics. Does that make sense? Okay, and then lastly on this one is it creates a false sense of double tasking. Okay, listen. There is no such thing as double tasking. There is no such thing as double tasking. There is no such thing as double tasking. Okay, there have been so many studies on this. So many studies on this. There is no such thing as double tasking. There is only task switching. There's only task switching. Now, that's not literally true, okay? If you are doing a task that requires literally zero cognitive decision-making. You're walking, okay? For a lot of us, you're driving. You're driving somewhere you know where you're going, right? You're mowing the lawn. Like there are certain things that require literally no thought, like what, what should I do? You can listen to something and be fine. However, even in those cases, you are probably going to do it 25 to 65% slower, depending on some variables. You do it slower, considerably slower. In fact, there's some, one of the checks we'll look at later is that um, one of the ways to, to deal with whether or not you're dealing with electronics well is how, what's happening to your task list. One of the ways to know you, this is out of whack in your life is your task list, the stuff that you've got to do, keeps growing, <laughs> and you're not beating it. Right? Why am I so busy? <laughs> you're busy because you're watching crap. That's why you're busy. Right? And so, um, double tasking destroys everything. Cognitive. It, and the average millennial switches platforms, um, I think it's 27 times an hour. 27 times an hour, they switch from one thing to another thing. When you behave that way, okay, this is very, this is very important. Because faith, in some ways, requires the use of your intelligence to grow. You don't have to be intelligent, you've got to, but you've got to use your intelligence. Does that make sense? Um, when you do that, when you switch back and forth, um, the studies in this show a couple things. One is it, it really disorganizes your mind. It's very difficult to think linearly or to organize things in an appropriate way. It's very difficult to tell the difference between important and unimportant facts or ideas or things or statistics. You also tend to function at about 15 IQ points lower than you actually possess if you were concentrating, which for most of us, we don't have those to spare. You know what I'm saying? That's a, I mean, 15 points is the difference between an average intelligent person and a, like, near genius. That's a lot of intelligence. And there are some, there are some younger people who've grown up in this internet generation who have actually never functioned academically at their full IQ. Some of them are not even in the fields that they're smart enough to be in because they can't stop switching. They've never even considered stopping living that way. And so they've never actually experienced the intelligence that God has given them right? And that intelligence has not been applied to wisdom. It's not been applied to their faith. It hasn't been applied to their labors and vocation and work. It hasn't been applied to anything. 
And that's really sad because we think we can switch and you can't switch. Okay. How are we doing? You need to turn that thing back on because it turned off. Okay. All right. So how do we make sure electronics enhances rather than destroys your ministry? Okay. Here's a couple things. One, you have to know yourself. And by that, I don't mean you know yourself as an individual. You need to know that you are a human being. And listen, you are a beautiful, precious, one-of-a-kind snowflake, just like everyone else. <laughs> right? Like, think about this. Every snowflake is perfectly unique, and it doesn't matter. Right? Like, in what sense is it significant that every snowflake, it's not like there's one snowflake that can dunk, right? And like all the other snowflakes are like, look at that guy jump. That's incredible. They're all equally cold and they fall from the sky and they pile up. Like it's of no significance that they're different from each other, right? All that matters is the things that are the same about them, right? Same thing with this. Okay, we were all a little different. That's true. And in some ways, there are slight differences to how some of these things will affect each of us, right? Some of us want to read People Magazine and be on Facebook all day. Others of us want to watch educational videos and whatever. I get, there are some differences. But a lot of the effects, a lot of the draw-ins, a lot of the ways it affects us negatively is all the same. And you have to believe and know that you're a human being. And you're a human being that's been broken by sin. And you're a human being that loves to have your vanity fed. Like, you're just like everybody else in those ways. And if you can accept that, and if you can believe that, you can know what you need to not do and quit and fight and face. Right? Okay. Second is um, positively value what electronics undermine right? In some ways, the best way to face something negative is to commit yourself to something positive, right? What do you really want your life to be like? Who do you want to be? Who does God want you to be? Why did Jesus the Christ come and die for you? Did he come and die for you to, so that you would be free in him to watch YouTube videos of cats and lemons five hours a day? Do you think that's why he did that? Because I have my doubts. I have my doubts about that right? I, I think that therefore, if we value being able to have the concentration to attend to God and to worship and value him and to be able to concentrate and have sound minds and to grow spiritually and to be able to have the, the time to be quiet and to think and to seek God and to have self-control and to grow in emotional empathy. One of the things that it says people who are very committed to electronics and electronic multitasking are extremely low in interpersonal empathy. They just don't feel anything for anybody else, right? Have you noticed that about yourself? That you're like, why don't I feel hardly anything? One of the reasons is your electronics diet. I'm saying this because I have some experience with that too. Okay. Um, meditative and deeper thinking, wisdom, insight, all those things. The more we value those things, the more we want to be that kind of person, the more we want to be the person Christ died to make us, the more we can then look at our YouTube history and how long it is and be like, that is not what I am for. And we can actually have the kind of spiritual brutality necessary to grow and to move and to do something different. Okay. So here's some ways to minimize the immediate presence of electronics. One of the things that you need to do is you need to minimize the immediate presence of electronics because the whole thing, they're designed to attack your nervous system. Like they're trying to get a hold of you. Like there's some things that you can do. So here's some things. One is you can completely get rid of some of them. 
right? So like Lexi and I just, we just canceled our next, our Netflix subscription. We don't have it. Turns out, turns out if you don't have a Netflix subscription, it's, it's harder to watch it. Right? So like we just don't even have it. So you just can't even do it. Right? And so it's nice because you don't, you don't like the worst thing about Netflix isn't even what you watch is you flip through the stupid thing, finding something to watch. Like, wondering how there can be 50 million hours of shows on this and nothing interesting, right? And so just get, there's some stuff you can just flat get rid of, okay? Secondly is um, you can like close and cover television. So I encourage anybody, okay, first of all, if you have a television in your bedroom, get it the H-E-L-L out of there, okay? Especially if you're married, okay? That's not what the bedroom is for. The bedroom is for way more fun and way more spiritual stuff than that. Okay? You should be mainly sleeping, praying, and making love in your bedroom and talking to each other. Get rid of the television. Right? If you're single, get rid of the television. Your bedroom is for more important things than that, like reading, thinking, praying, and other things. Okay, so um, three, there, there's lots of stuff you can do with, mo with modern router systems, especially if you have a family, where you can, like, you can just shut your internet off at 7 o'clock. I mean, th th there are things you can buy now that aren't that expensive where you can just like ban YouTube after four or you can like make it so this device, that device, and that device just can't get the stuff. Like my router just shuts off pornography to my house, just flat shuts it off to my whole house, which is awesome. Like they didn't have that when I was, when the internet first created and like I was wandering around the, around the world, like that was not the case. My parents, when they got their first computer, they may not even know that there was pornography that you could get on it. I didn't go see it, but I definitely could have. And there's nothing they could get internet wise to stop that. Now there is, and it's like less than $250. I mean, think about this. Who would not spend $174 to stop pornography from coming in their house? Not me, right? There, there are ways in which God has given the gift of technology along with some of the other things with technology so that we can use it better. And by acts, and listen, there's lots of people in this church who can set that up. Listen, if you're like, I don't know how I could possibly set that up. There's like 12 people in this room that could do it in 10 minutes, right? Just, you know, just be like, look, I'll cook you dinner. Just please, will you set this up? And of course they'll do it for you. It's their gift. They want to use it. Um, fourth is silence all, all, all notifications possible. Just shut off everything that talks to you on your phone or anything that you own. My phone is basically on buzz all day long and every app is shut off. Like n there's no apps that can talk to me. I get a little buzz for text messages and for phone calls. I know what happens. I pay no attention. Okay. There's still other stuff that I do. Like I put my phone in the hardest pocket for me to get at it too, or I put it in my bag so that I don't know when it buzzes. Like I just try to get it out of the way. And then there's, okay, that's on the next slide. Sorry. Okay. So there's some other stuff too. Let me, uh, we're almost there. Did I get it? Okay, great. Okay, use objective predecided mental limitations for electronic use. Here's what I mean. Charles Dunning in his book, The Power of Habit, said, one of the most powerful things that you can do is you can decide beforehand when you are in your right mind what you are and aren't going to do. And you can have that decision be public public to yourself, written for yourself, shared with your family members, shared with your friends, given your accountability partners. And when we are in our rightest mind as believers, I think is when we're praying well, when we actually have some time of quiet away from those electronic devices, when we can say, okay, if I'm going to live the life God, God is drawing me into, wh what time am I not going to eat after? 
How much TV am I really going to watch each week? What am I going to... You decide these things and you write them down and you make predecisions about what you are and you aren't going to do, right? I'm, right, I'm, I'm not going to have my phone... You know, when I go, when, like when I go out with friends, only one person is going to have a phone. Or I'm going to shut my phone, I'm going to put my phone on silent when I'm with my friends. Or I'm going to, you just make these decisions because here's the problem. When you see the next YouTube video that's going to play is not the time to decide whether or not you've watched enough YouTube. Right? When you've just finished a round of the game that you play and you're about to start a new round is not the time to decide if you've played enough of the video game. Because the answer is, you only think you've played it about a third as long as you have. You want to play. The whole thing is connecting deeply with your neurology. You want that hit. You want to feel good. You want to feel like you just beat the world, right? And you're going to play another game, right? But if you know that you shut off your computer at 7 p.m. and it's 7.04, it is time to shut off your computer. Do you understand? Okay. Um, So one of the things I do is I make my phone black and white. It is amazing how less interesting my phone is in black and white. It's amazing. And there are some studies being done on this about the neurology of color, like how the color of the phone screen draws you in. But like almost everybody's phone has a way to go black and white. I find it extreme. I like literally pull the thing out, out of just reflexive addiction. I look at it and be like, that's boring. And I put it back in my pocket. (laughs) It's great. Uh, So I encourage you that. It's one of the number one best things you can do to make your phone less interesting. Okay. Um, Use on-record precision. So like when you pre-decide, tell other people. Be on the record. Tell your spouse. Tell your kids. Like you want to be embarrassed. If you have kids at home, that's a great thing to do because you're picking on them about their electronic usage. Like turn their hypocrisy and hatred back at you. Like use it. Just be like, kids, I don't watch TV these days. And then if you try to, they'll be like, dad, I thought you didn't watch TV on Tuesday nights. And you're like, you're so right. And then you go do read a book. You know what I mean? It's great. Okay. And then, um, Four is, are your tasks getting done? So one of the things I've noticed, one of the times I notice that my life is not in order is when my task list just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Just little stuff around the house, stuff my wife needs me to do, stuff I need to do for my kids, just things I need to take care of. It gets past like 50, you know? And yet somehow I have time to listen to music on YouTube or something, right? Even while I'm cleaning the basement, which for some reason takes six hours, (laughs) right? And so there's a certain point where I go, my life is out of whack. Or there wouldn't be as many things on my to-do list. I need to shut all this stuff off and put it away, and I need to do this stuff. So so for me, having a task list like that is very helpful because it signals to me if things are not in order. And then fifth is the 20-minute rule. A bunch of the researchers on... um, on multitasking have said basically this, especially for if you're under 40 or so, they say commit to focusing on whatever you're focusing on for the minimum of 20 minutes. Okay. Just, just work in 20 minute increments. Nothing else can distract you, talk to you, do anything with you during that 20 minutes and then decide if you should do 20 more. And then over time, start to lengthen that amount of time. If you do that, you'll be much more productive. If you choose to do spiritual things in those times, those spiritual things like study and reflection and meditation and thought and prayer will be much more productive, right? And for a lot of you, you, you may not see, it, it may not be really easy right at first because there is a detox period. If like, if you're really wrapped up in this stuff, it takes some time. Like you'll shut that stuff down and it'll still be like on your mind every minute. And you just, you gotta like, you gotta walk through that detox until it starts to quiet down. Does that make sense? Okay.
um, in in some way, in some ways, the way that we have to deal with this is in specifically in relationship to the fact that our electronics and what they bring to us is an idol that brings to us a kind of salvation. In some ways, you have to look at it that starkly. What we want is a life of ease and pleasure. That's what the flesh wants. It's what the flesh has always wanted. It doesn't want a destiny. It doesn't want goodness. It doesn't want truth. <laughs> it wants a life of ease and pleasure, of affirmation, of vanity, of sensuality, of sloth and greed. It wants all of the seven deadly sins wrapped up in one little entree. That's what we want. That's what our, that's what our, that's what the curse in us wants. And that is a kind of salvation, right? It is a way of getting a life that we want that sort of makes us kind of happy. And you have to realize that in, you are wired to believe that that is a kind of salvation worth having. And electronics can be your God. It can, it can deliver that to you. You can have that. If that's your salvation, you can be saved. You can come right down right now to an altar call of electronics. I like, I, like I can, you know, I can give you through television and video and internet. Like I can give you that salvation. You can live the rest of your life pleased. You can feel like you're part of meaningful story after meaningful story. And it can be a different one every two hours. And you can feel like you're learning. You can feel like you're even growing. And then you can feel like you're better than other people and you can have your vanity fed and you can do all that stuff and you can feel great. You can be saved, right? Like on one level, we have to see as people that that's what's going on here. Electronics are a certain bail to us. The, the primary alternative God presented to us in the economy of hell. And that's not to say that electronics are, are evil or they are demonic. They are worldly in that the, the production of what comes through them is often in the hands of folks that produce very worldly content. But the way they interact with us and the effect they tend to have on us in this current moment, in this context, tends to offer us a cheap an accessible alternative salvation, and therefore they are an easy God. And so on one level, you have to just turn to Jesus when he says, listen, you cannot have two masters. You can't have two masters. If you do, you will love one and you will hate the other. And he, by that he means the one you will hate is God, and the one you will love is the, your worldly idol. And he, and he says that... Um, the pagans run after all these visceral things, and we shouldn't. We should seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added to us, including what we will watch. Right, I'm, not, I'm not saying we're going to throw all this stuff away. What I'm saying is, is that only when God is absolutely preeminent in it do we have a shot of keeping it in its place, using it for its good, getting all the good we can get out of all this wonderful technology that God has made available. And it is wonderful if we were all angels, this world would be so perfect in the presence of this technology. It'd be unbelievable. There's nothing wrong with the technology. The problem is, is what that technology does when it connects with our idolatries. 
And so the way to get straight how we're going to use the technology is to get straight our idolatries. And that's the only time we're going to be strong enough and ready enough and brutal enough with ourselves and with these tools that they can be a blessing to us and to our children rather than a slow death. Does that make sense? So I just want to encourage you three things. One is consider whether or not you're looking at the electronics in your life with a level of brutality necessary to be realistic spiritually about what they are and what they do. Right. Two, what are you willing to do to be free if they're using you rather than you're using them? Right. And then three, how are other believers who love you, who are your brothers and sisters, going to help you do that? How are you going to invite other people into your embarrassment so they can help you grow strong enough to be free of these things and to use them well? so that you can become the person that Jesus died to save. Because he doesn't, he doesn't just want to save you so that you can be a potato. He wants to save you so that you can step into the destiny of being the bearer of earthly dominion, which is what he gave you when he created you in his image. You are created to be, in God's image, the dominion makers of his creation. That's your destiny. Not to watch TV. Dominion makers can watch some TV, I'm sure. But they better be making some Dominion. Let's pray. Father, um, I one level I don't want to be too hard on the great grace of technologies that come into our lives. I know that you've done great goods with so many of them. There's so many ways in which our world has become more effective and efficient and wealth has been spread to more people and that people who could never have access so many things can access them freely and cleanly and better. You've, you've allowed in your providence for untold millions, even billions of people just in the last 20 years to come out of a sort of level of poverty because of the uses of many technologies. And so we're, we're so grateful for the creative capacity that was in the world and the creative capacity you've put in us. But we also know these, these things can, when they interact with our sinful nature and our flesh, they can be a great trial and a great idol. And we want to become a people who are strong enough in godliness and in faith to use these very potent tools for good and for growth and for love and life and not for evil and slavery. Help us to do that together. Convict us and lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Engage and Equip podcast. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and other apps like that. We hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a more substantive disciple and a part of the local church. If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways we have to reach new listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.